Hey, Ray. Hi. Thank you for coming in to do this interview. I'm so excited that you're here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. So we met at this wonderful residency called Céline Bureau, uh, doing an audio radio project type residency. Um, and I wanted to have you in to talk about a project that you were working on during the residency. And I actually don't know the name of it. So uh, right now it has a working title, which okay. is Précision par rapport aux événements de 2005. It's a little bit long. I'm trying to find something that's more smooth. Um, right. But um, that's just what I wanted to start off with because it, it kind of summarizes what I'm interested in with this project is just kind of getting details on events that, that I remember from a certain period, but that obviously I remember in a fragmented way because it was a long time ago and also because it was in high school and yeah, and, and also the reason I did this project was to see if the fragments that I had lined up with what other people remembered from that that time right so that's the title i'm going with right now but hopefully i'll get something a little less hefty i heard recently that the more that you remember something the less accurately you actually remember it so if you remember a memory from 10 years ago that you haven't thought about in 10 years you will actually remember it more accurately than if you remember a memory every single day yeah, that makes sense, right? It's it's that you have to reconstruct it each time you remember it. Yeah, the more you think about things, the more they become a fiction as opposed to evidence recollected because the more it's like a story you're telling yourself, I guess. Um, and these are definitely events that I thought about a lot. So I don't know how much it's me trying to give myself a backstory and how much of it is like actual things that happened. Right. So... Yeah, what are the facts about this piece? What? Um, so the piece is about high school bullying. It's about um, a specific year, second year of, in in French Canada, we have secondaire, so kind of middle school and high school together. Mm -hmm. um, and it's about a group of bullies that I interacted with during that year and this kind of bullying that I was a victim of, which was um, very sexual and also um, was very directed towards me because of a kind of visible queerness, I guess, which even I wasn't aware of at the time, but that was something that I guess could be seen by others. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's just about um, how they felt about it. So I was reaching out to them to see what they remembered from those events. And also I reached out to some of the people in my friend group to see what they remembered. So people who were on, on quote unquote, my side. Right. Um, so yeah, it's just about a series of, of both cyber and real life interactions that were like, I really, I really remember, you know, they were, for me, they defined what high school was like and, and how it was horrible in certain ways, <laughs> but um, I was interested to see if they remembered them in those same ways or if this was like, yeah, my own kind of fiction. Why did you choose to interview, inter 
interview each person on their own instead of as a group? Um, I mean, the idea of doing that sounds a little bit terrifying. <laughs> just when I think about it now, like, I let's bring so. together all of my high school bullies and yeah, put them in the same room. A little bit too close to the memory. Yeah, no, I feel. <laughs> um, but I think it's also that I wanted to see um, how their stories differed too and mm. I think everyone remembers things differently even though they were um part of the same friend group I think they have different ideas on what happened and, and that's what you can hear in the recording too is they don't remember the thing the same things or they don't remember things in the same way so yeah I'm also interested in that kind of dissonance were there any things that you brought up that they didn't remember at all so many things most of the things I think they didn't remember because to them, it was very, like, in passing, you know? I think when something really hurts you, you remember it for a long time. But maybe when you hurt someone, you don't. it doesn't have that much effect on you. Um, so there are a lot of instances in, in the recordings where I talk about an event, and they'll just say that they don't remember it, but it sounds like something they would have done at that time. Were there any questions that you really wanted to ask that you didn't ask? Or did you ask everything you wanted to ask? Um, I think I asked everything I wanted to ask, but I didn't push it as much as I would like, mm -hmm. have liked to. Um, I think I did kind of still, I'm just, I'm so nice to them in, <laughs> in the recordings. I'm so nice. And I wish that I had been a bit more pushy, you know? I think um, listening to them now, they're, they're very nice, but they're very defensive. And I wish I could have, you know, gone a bit further and, and, and been a bit mean. Um, not in not in in like a, a vindictive kind of way, but more in in order to get a more emotional response. Here is a short excerpt of Ray's piece, Précision par rapport aux événements de 2005. <laughs> 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 Well, <laughs> C'est sûr que je me rappelle de certaines méchancetés. Okay. Je me rappelle de certains noms, mais pas, pas au complet. Ben, je pense que... Tu sais, je veux dire, il y en a tout le temps, là, un groupe comme ça qui se fait intimider là, dans, dans tout, toutes les cohortes. C'est juste normal. Puis, tu sais, qu'est-ce que les profs ils se disent que... On va grandir, puis ça va arrêter, puis on se rappellera plus, là. <rire> je sais pas. Ouais. Mais toi, c'est pas ça qui t'est arrivé, là? Tu t'en rappelles encore? 
Ouais, ben, je sais Ouais. <rire> Est-ce que tu étais contente que le chef, que ça l'avait passé plus à moi qu'à toi, que tu n'étais plus la main target? Ben, je pense qu'à un certain point, je me sentais un peu soulagée qu'il qu m'ait lâché, mais excuse. Je, pense, je me sentais un peu soulagée qu'il m'ait lâché, mais comme je me sentais mal pour toi, mais mm. j'avais trop peur pour faire quelque chose. Ouais. Puis j'avais peur que si je m'en mêlais, ils allaient comme, tu sais, s'en prendre dans mon corps. Mmh. Ouais. Puis, est-ce que tu te rappelles de la rumeur que je me masturbais en classe? Mmh, non. Hein? C'était quoi ça? C'était pendant le cours de sciences. Okay. Puis, autre était assis à côté de moi, tu sais, parce que c'était comme des groupes, genre, assignés à tout mmh. Ouais. Puis, okay. j'avais un trou dans mes pantalons, genre. Puis, elle avait vu que. Genre, j'ai rangé mes bobettes ou whatever. C'est comme, j'étais vraiment, j'avais pas beaucoup de classe, là. J'ai dit être comme. Mais elle a dit à tout le monde que je me masturbais pendant le cours. Pour vrai. Ouais. Puis elle s'en rappelle, là, comme j'en ai parlé. Mais je me rappelle pas de ça. Peut-être que j'avais tellement honte que je t'en ai pas parlé. Ça se peut. Parce que j'avais tellement honte, J'étais juste comme. Je pense qu'on fait en français un affaire d'activité, là. C'est une planète. Non, c'est la planète. Nous, on a le soleil. Les souvenirs que j'ai. C'est tellement vague, oui, ça n'a pas de sens correct. Les souvenirs que j'ai, c'était que moi, on était une à côté de l'autre parce qu'on était les deux dans la classe. Puis, je sais pas qui, une des deux s'est retournée, puis supposément que tu avais un trou dans ton pantalon, puis tu avais le, le doigt dessus. Ou... On a fait exactement ce que des filles de secondaire 2 auraient fait avec la. la la vision qu'on avait de vous puis le, la méchanceté qu'on qu avait aussi en, envers vous, le non-jugement. Donc, ce qu'on ce qu a dit, c'est qu'on a parti une rumeur. Comme quoi tu jouais là, dans la classe. Que, que je vais m'assurer en classe. Pendant la classe. Elle n'aimait pas comment je dansais. Comme elle avait un spectacle amateur. Ben, L'an passé, euh, ouais, à, de, à chaque deux ans, il y avait un gros spectacle ama ama amateur. Non, à chaque année. Non, à chaque deux ans. On a seulement skippé une année. Non, on a, y avait, y a, il l'avait quand il était en deuxième année. En ah, ben, je pense que je le savais depuis longtemps parce que moi, il me niaisait déjà en sixième année. Là. Ah, ouais? Ouais, fait que je, je savais qu'il m'aimait pas. Puis... Mais est-ce que ça. Mais je savais pas qu'il qu se moquait de toi aussi, mais là, mm. je l'ai vu en secondaire. Tu sais, quand il écrivait des trucs sur nos petits sites internet Pixo, là. Ouais. Mais dans les commentaires, il écrivait comme. À un moment donné, je pense que c'était ma mère qui avait écrit comme un, un genre de long texte que c'était genre. C'est comme si elle écrivait de ton point de vue, puis ouais. elle, elle décrivait comme ta journée, ce que tu faisais de ton point de vue, comme en traduisant. Puis là, genre, t'avais comme... Non, c'était qui avait écrit ça, je sais plus. Puis là, ensuite, elle était comme, yo, les gens du groupe, euh, je sais plus quoi, le groupe 2, lisez ça, c'est fucking drôle, vous allez comprendre, tu sais. Le thème de l'anecdote, c'était... Le fait que tu euh, te promenais avec toutes tes boîtes de crayons, dans le fond, parce que... On ne l'a pas dit, mais il y avait quand même cette, cette particularité-là que tu avais, que tu transportais dans le fond à, à tous les cours, partout où est-ce que tu allais à l'école. Tu avais comme tes grosses boîtes, tous tes crayons, tes cahiers, 
euh, de dessin, tout ton matériel, en fait, pour faire du dessin que tu amenais partout dans tous les cours. Puis, c'était pas un cahier puis un coffre à crayons. C'était genre des boîtes de souliers, de crayons, genre. Puis, c'était vraiment une grosse pile. Puis, nous, on trouvait ça vraiment spécial, dans le fond, que tu... Comme, puis là, t'arrivais super tôt au cours. Puis, euh, quand on arrivait, il y avait toujours, justement, Ré qui était en train de, de dessiner, en fait, dans le cours avec tout son matériel. Donc, ça, c'était quand même un, un détail de ta personne qu'on avait vraiment pris pour s'en en moquer, dans le fond, mm. s'en moquer. Puis, dans mon anecdote, c'était justement, c'était Ré, puis euh, fait que là, j'étais allée à l'école, euh, fait que là, je m'en allais au cours, puis euh, j'ai pris toute ma grosse boîte de dessin, dans le fond, fait que là, mais là, j'étais comme en retard, puis là, je voulais pas avoir en retard, mais je voulais pas laisser mes, euh, mes crayons dans le casier, fait que là, j'ai pris toutes mes affaires, là, je courais, j'ai couru, j'ai couru, puis là, j'ai tombé, euh, je suis tombée, euh, puis là, euh, Là, tout le monde a ri de moi, là, puis là, j'étais vraiment gênée, j'ai fait comme une face, genre, parce qu'il y avait aussi tes faces. <rire> moi, je me rappelle que je voulais faire un genre de rituel, là, avec des trucs que tu brûles et tout ça, là, pour mettre une malédiction sur eux, là. Puis là, j'étais comme, je pourrais faire ça pour les maudire, genre. <rire> j'ai pas fait, c'était quoi, la malédiction? Genre, je sais il y avait un genre de site internet qui avait des trucs qui étaient vraiment weird, là, avec le fond noir, puis la petite musique, puis c'était comme des rituel week-end, je sais pas quoi, là. Là, t'en avais un pour comme mettre une malédiction. <rire> I wanted to ask in in the recording the the story about the the crayon the box of crayons and all of your your art supplies and yeah. school supplies there's this funny moment where you're listening to the story being told and then you're also kind of laughing and it's almost like the two of you are like describing someone that isn't you or something, or you're kind of involved in the telling of this story of this person. It yeah. seems sort of like you were like a group. Or yeah, a gang or it does seem, um, when I listen to a recording, it seems like I'm laughing at my past self right. um, in, in a mean way. But I do, I do think that that recording with that person was one of the ones that went very well because I worked the hardest to make her comfortable with the idea of, of past me being someone that would have been laughed at. And I think even though that was kind of a, a strange technique to use, I got the most truthful story from her because, mm -hmm. you know, by bringing it up in this way that I was this person who was very odd. And it's true that I was a very odd person, but I think by pushing that i got her to really be less afraid to talk about why she and her friends did those things to me mm -hmm. so yeah it was it was kind of manipulative but um i you also really I got in there yeah got on the inside and sort of. it is funny to remember that story because it's true that i did have a giant i always was carrying around all these things and i had all this like drawing supplies and I would just bring them all these classes. I was so worried about being late and I was kind of caricatural. <laughs> like 
you know, obviously teenagers are, are, are mean and shouldn't be, but I think I could empathize with her in sure. a lot of ways. The, in the recording, the person who is saying, oh, I, I was glad it wasn't me that was being bullied and I felt sorry for you, but I was kind of relieved. Yeah. I felt a sense of relief. Who is that? Is that a bystander or? No, that was my friend. Okay. Um, so she was in my friend group and she was also bullied, but less. Um, but it affected us both in similar ways. And she's the only person I interviewed who was kind of a fellow recipient of the behavior. Um, but she did get it less than me. Um, because as she, she kind of explains, she had it on her before, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. she was a target before. And then when I became a target, she was kind of left alone. So she was really, really worried about defending me and how that would, you know, how that would kind of hurt her again, because then she'd become a target again. In the full piece, we talk about the ways in which we tried to retaliate and like the difficulties we had in, in kind of like me and my friend. Um, we talk about her being very afraid of retaliating and what happened when we did retaliate and how it ended up being worse in some ways because of how things escalate in those kind of situations and also because of teenage power dynamics and how they work. Um, Very real thing. (laughs) So we were definitely very afraid of that, but I think she talks about how she was just so afraid of, of having her life be that way again when it had kind of lessened on her end. Do you think that, like, was this experience at all sort of cathartic for you? Or do you sort of, have you come out the other side of it feeling like you've you've left this stuff behind or that it's in some way resolved? Um, I don't know. I think in certain ways it was a little bit disappointing Hmm. Um, because... I think it's it's really something to realize that that something that affected you so much didn't affect the other people that were involved in it as much. Like, to me, the idea that they didn't remember certain things or certain very specific instances of bullying. Um, like, we talk about, there's, um, in the recording, we talk about this rumor that they started that I masturbated in class, and that was, like, one of the most scarring things for me was having this this rumor about me. Um, and some of them just don't remember it. And actually, my friend doesn't remember it. So wow. when I talk to her about it, she doesn't remember it. And that was really, it was really disappointing because, um, yeah, that was so important to the story that, that I told myself and, and how much I hated high school was because of that. So, yeah, I don't know if it was cathartic. It was definitely, like, satisfied a curiosity in talking to them again and seeing what they were like now and if they had become nicer people than I thought about them as. Because I went through a lot of my life just thinking that they were these evil, evil people, but they're not. They're so nice, you know? And they were nice 
after that. And I'm sure they're very nice to everybody they interact with now, but. Interesting. I remember you, when you were talking to me about making this project, you were talking about how you wondered if this bullying of you was some sort of, I guess, questioning from those students or wondering about sexual things for themselves or kind of trying to figure out their own sexuality through this strange series of bullying actions. (laughs) Did you get that sense from them at all when you were talking to them? I think it, it was difficult because they were very defensive in that regard. Um, but also because they don't have as much memory as I do of those things. But um, I definitely still think that um, just because, I mean, they weren't able to answer the question when I asked them why the bullying was so oriented around sexuality and was so focused on my sexuality and how on my sexuality wasn't I guess heteronormative and how that was the bad thing and I had never expressed that so it was um it was very much like this way of kind of making this story about me that was that was really interesting to them so I don't know I think there was elements of that for sure um Maybe it's just that it kind of made me feel very awful about my sexuality for a long time. So that I associated with that for that reason. But I don't know. I definitely think there's a connotation between that kind of violence um, and the kind of transient nature of that age where you're not, you don't really know like what sexuality is and you know that you feel things and you know that other people might feel things and yeah I think there's definitely a correlation but I couldn't it's not something we really talked about because I mean we couldn't get past the fact that they didn't remember most of the things right so I don't want to put that on them and be like it was for this reason but to me it definitely felt like that and that could just be my own story again about it. Right. Do you, do you have a sense of why you chose sound for this project? And can you talk about the voices and what you've had to do to kind of preserve privacy of those people that you interviewed? Um, I think sound was kind of the only way to preserve privacy, right? Usually, I mean, I do work with video a lot, and I didn't know how I could make any kind of video work about that because I had to give them so much anonymity. Um, And I definitely, like, had to kind of block out all the names and make sure that no one was mentioned. So I think... Yeah, sound just just gave it this because there was no visual. I couldn't. It was it was so much more easy to associate it with, with anonymity. Where do you think of people listening to this piece? Like, where do you see it being played? Um. So, 
At first, I was thinking that it would just be an audio piece and that it would kind of exist in a like strange podcast type form. But now, as I'm working on it, um, and we're talking so much about in in our interviews and with the, the women I interview, we talk so much about this website called Pixo that we all had, where it was the kind of the first time you could be anonymous and write comments anonymously about someone online. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking that it could exist on the web with maybe cool. some other elements that, that could be visual and maybe some videos from that time from my archives. And I was thinking of, of maybe bringing back some of the aesthetics that I remember from that platform, but then also being able to have that podcast playing. You know how sometimes on, on websites there's like this sound that would start automatically on those like older yes. websites. So then you would be on this website and able to browse, but this sound piece would just be playing at you the whole time. Right. So that's like what I'm thinking about now. wallpaper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Soundtrack. And actually we talk about that. What gave me the idea is in my interview with, with my friend at some point in this excerpt that um, you have, she talks about how she looked up a spell to curse them. That's what she's talking about at the end. Um, to curse the Bowie? Yeah. And she, she talks about she, she talks about this website she was on, and she's like, you know, it had a black background and some music that just played, and that gave me the idea. I was like, oh, I could just make this, like, website and have the interview play at you in that kind of aggressive way. <laughs> but then have, like, you could just be also moving through images and other things happening. Cool. Yeah, so that's how I'm thinking about it right now. It might change. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it'll just exist as a sound, but I find that hard. It's just so hard to not have a little home for your piece somewhere. Definitely. Either, yeah. Like, on the internet or... A physical space for yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, I guess a virtual space isn't a yeah. physical space, but it kind of is. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how I'm thinking about it now. Very cool. Well, thank you for talking to me about this intimate subject matter. <laughs> yeah. You're very welcome. Thank you for inviting me to be on the show.